0: Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, the Bible says, "'Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ.'" Lord, thank you so much for your Word. Thank you for the hope that it gives us in in trouble, in troubled times. So, Father, as believers, help us to get some good instruction from your Word about to hand, how to handle times like these. In Jesus' name, Amen. When a, we were going to launch our Psalm 119. How many of you noticed the graphics that we have on the wall now? Doesn't that? It looks like it was supposed to be there all along. And it says, "I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved." That's our theme verse for the Psalm One Nineteen study, which, Lord willing, we'll launch next Sunday morning. This evening at five o'clock, I'm going to begin our study on how to study the Bible. So be sure to be in your place here. And isn't it i I'm just telling you, when we get into crazy times like this, people pull crazy things out of the Bible. What? There's no better time than this to learn how we ought to study and interpret the scriptures. We're going to begin that tonight. And uh, really tonight is we're laying the groundwork for the whole study. So be sure to be here at five o'clock for that. So look at verse six again. The Bible says, be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. So careful. It means what it should still mean. Full of care. That's what careful means. Full of of care and care meant not prudent provision or forethought but the occupation of a man's common sense with his duty and his work and his circumstances but it meant the thing which of all others unfits man most for such prudent provision that is the nervous irritation of a gnawing anxiety which, as the word means, tears the heart apart and makes a man quite incapable of doing the wise thing or seeing the wise thing to do in the circumstances. That's from Alexander McLaren on this text. And what's interesting is he wrote that over 100 years ago. And now one of the things that I love about pastoring in Shelby County, pastoring Grace Baptist Church, y'all don't look too panicked. I love that. Calm-minded, hard-working, diligent, common sense. Just and I love it that God lets me pastor people like that. So uh, I want to I want to preach on this passage today. I want us to talk about this anxiety, this crippling anxiety that's demonstrating itself in the stock market, things like that. So I just want to make a few comments on on that, the financial concerns. Um, this too shall pass. This is not going to destroy our economy. It's not going to destroy our country. We're not going to have an economic collapse. Let me just say something. And it, it, I try not to be political as far as endorsing a party or any of those things, mainly because I don't like the Republicans or the Democrats. Okay, Praise God for President Trump. The, the removal of regulations, all of the things, the trade deals that he is making to give us the strongest economy that anyone has seen in decades. We are in better shape to handle this crisis than we would have been if President Trump had not been elected. Praise God for that. How many of you are thankful? Be th- and that's in our text. We're going to look at some of that. So now, If you're looking at your 401k or your stocks, did anyone have it go down in the last couple of weeks? But don't worry. It's going to come back. Now, again, I'm not a a stock guy. I'm not an expert, but I have studied history. And I'm just telling you, people who are selling everything while it's at at the bottom or near the bottom, in a year, you're going to be really sad that you did that. So be wise with it. I'm not, I'm not giving you financial advice. I'm saying don't let panic influence your finances. The Bible says a prudent man seeth trouble afar off and hideth himself from it. That's wisdom, right? But where are you going to take your money right now? Gold went down, oil commodities went down, and the stock market went down. So what ought you to do? Just wait. And I'll tell you this, some of those top stocks that have collapsed 20%, 30%, you're buying them at a discount, the economy is going to come back from this. Why do we know that? Because this is not a pandemic that will kill great numbers of people. The H1N1 virus will probably have killed more people in the United States than this will. So we've been, And that was just in, what, 2009, 2000, something like that? So that kind of anxiety that is affecting the market's That's a completely different world than where most of us live. Don't let that kind of anxiety affect your daily life and the way that you interact with your friends and your your loved ones. How many of you already knew you're supposed to wash your hands? Anybody know that? How many of you know that germs are on surfaces? Did anyone know that already? The only difference here is that this particular bug affects people with pre-existing conditions and the elderly, so we need to be careful. That's, that's it. That's what we're talking about. And yet, the world is consumed with anxiety right now. I don't think you all are unless it's about your finances, your job, what's going on with those things. So what I want us to do is look at this, this idea of being full of care. How should we Christians approach that Let me read to you what Charles Spurgeon said. We have the faculty of forethought, but like all our faculties, it has been perverted and it is often abused. It is good for a man to have holy care and to pay due attention to every item of his life, due attention. But alas, it is very easy to make it an unholy care. And to try to wrest from the hand of God, that office of providence, which belongs to him and not to ourselves. So what's that talking about? We ought to take holy care in our lives. That is that we ought to handle our finances properly. We ought to take care of our own personal hygiene. How many of you believe that God will wash you? No, that's that's due care that God has given us. We can take care of the washing of our hands. We can take care of being careful of the things that we're around. We can take care of that. Amen? We can take care of that. How many of you can take care of a global pandemic? Anyone here can do that? Is there anyone here that can take care of the stock market? You're going to fix it? See, the simple fact is if every investor, every individual investor in the United States made wise choices, it wouldn't affect it because it's all done by machines and these huge trading groups. You have no control over it. Did you hear what I just said? The individual investors are not the problem with the market. It's these huge trading companies and the computers where they set limits, and as soon as they hit something, boom, they sell. It's gone. And then that ha- that's a cascading effect across the whole market. You can do, listen, nothing about that. So why get anxious about it? See, what happens is the only one that is able to control massive things like that is God. So what we need to do is we need to, in our hands, we need to handle those things that God has given to us to handle. The things that he has not given to us to handle, we need to let God take care of those things. Amen? Are you all with me on this? All right. It's so funny. I look out here and I can see how anxious everybody is. (laughs) Listen to what Spurgeon said. Oh, that God might teach us how to avoid the evil, which is here forbidden, that is being full of care. This is his comments on this text. Spurgeon again. Oh, that God might teach us how to avoid the evil, which is here forbidden, and to live with that holy carelessness which is the very beauty of the Christian life. When all our care is cast on God and we can joy and rejoice in his providential care of us. See, that's why when we're in trouble, look at the verse again. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Are you thankful that God has not required you to handle the things that are in his purview. What a blessing that is. All right, here's last statement from Spurgeon. Ah, somebody says, I cannot help caring. Well, the subject tonight is to help you to leave off caring and first to consider here the substitute for care. Be careful for nothing, but be prayerful for everything. That is a substitute for care, prayer and supplication. Secondly, note the special character of this prayer, which is to become the substitute for anxiety. In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then I hope we shall have a few minutes left in which to consider the sweet effect of this prayer. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Spurgeon called it an impossible command. Look at this this idea of being careful for nothing. Especially during a a global crisis like we are in, the command to be careful for nothing, that seems to be almost impossible. And then the the following command, verse 7, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds. Well, that seems impossible. When it feels like the world is falling down around you, we have an economic uh, uh, crisis, people are saying there may be a recession, all of these things, you start to become concerned about your job and your finances and your future and your kids, and then you throw a bug into it, and now, man, oh, everybody's freaking out. So it can seem like an almost impossible command to be careful for nothing. So why is it impossible? Three things. First of all, because there are two kingdoms at work here. There are two kingdoms at work. We are all born into a fallen race by nature. How many of you were born? Right? All of us, the Bible says, for as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. So all of us are born into this fallen race, this fallenness in us all agrees in its opposition to Christ and the Father's plan. So all of us have in our nature, all of us have in our being opposition to God. And you say, well, wait a minute, I'm saved. Well, that's why Paul said that which I would, I do not. That which I allow, I do not. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from the body of this death? Now, now, how many of you know that you're not supposed to be full of care? Raise your hands. How many of you already knew that, that you are not supposed to be full of care? And yet, why are we full of care? Because we have a body and a mind that contradicts what we know to be true in our spirit. And that's why this becomes a spiritual battle. There are two kingdoms involved here, a physical kingdom, which is fleshly, and a spiritual kingdom, which is not. You think about all of the people that united in opposition against Jesus Christ. See, the human race agrees in this opposition to God. The concept of human self sufficiency, what the mind of man can conceive, the mind of man can achieve. When God says, listen, we can do nothing to the two different worlds, what the mind of man can conceive, the mind of man can achieve. How are we doing with the common cold? It's just not a true statement. There are some things that are out of our control. And the Bible says, Jesus said, Without me, you can do nothing. And yet, the same people who believe that without me, you can do nothing, we are the same people that think that by worrying, we can find some solution to what's going on around us. We can't. We can't. That's why it seems impossible. The instinctive wisdom of the race, but God says we're foolish. The soundness of human moral judgments. I like this statement. Listen to this. I believe in the badness of the human race, the constitution of the human race, of the flesh, by the flesh, dedicated to the flesh. Consequently, there is a satanic conspiracy against the people of God. And that's just the truth. So here's what's going to happen. Somebody's going to say, I can't believe you're going to church. Don't you know we're not supposed to gather? James Knox Uh, You know, all all of us preachers, we're all talking to each other. He texted me yesterday, said, what are you doing? And I told him, I said, what are you doing? He said, well, when they close the bar, I'll close the church. Uh, I was supposed to start a meeting in New York, supposed to be preaching in New York tomorrow night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And uh, that meeting got canceled because it it was was a large meeting. People were going to be coming in from all over. And of course, people are concerned about it. So that got canceled. The pastor there in New York, his wife is a pharmacist at Walmart. And she said, people aren't afraid to go to Walmart. There's a thousand people in the store right now. So those same people that tell you not to come to church, they're going to go to Walmart. So why are people upset about going to church? Are, Are you starting to see how the wisdom of the world is against God and God's people. Now we're going to take prudent steps. Isn't it good? I love this. This is, this is just so awesome. Ed, if you miss church, you still get to go to heaven. We're not legalists. It, your church attendance has absolutely nothing to do with whether or not you get to go to heaven. Isn't that good? The amount that you give to the church has everything to do with whether or not you get to go to <laughs> It has nothing to do with whether or not you you get to go to heaven. So then why are we going to assemble? Because the Bible tells us to. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Now, if you are in the class of people that this uh, disease will affect, I suggest you stay home. And hopefully by next week we have live stream available. And I've always wanted to be on TV. We're 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 going to have live stream available. Stay home and watch it on live stream. Now I don't know how that works. Might be Facebook. We might have an internet. I don't I don't know. But but you'll have instructions before next week on how you can watch our services from home. And if that's what you choose to do, that's between you and God. And you know what we as a church are going to do? We're going to love you either way. Whatever you believe God wants you to do, we believe in individual soul liberty. You just do whatever your conscience says you ought to do. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to love you. Right? And yet, the rest of us who are healthy and don't have any of those issues, we're going to come to church. We're going to gather together. Now, if we get some edict from our government that says for the health reasons of our county, we're asking you not to do it, then all of us will do live streaming and we'll follow what they say. It's not a constitutional thing where they're telling us we can't have church. If the government came down, not a health reason, said you can't have church, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to have church. Then we'd find out how many of you really take it seriously, right? That's not what we're talking about right here. This is a completely different situation than that. And we want to be good citizens. We don't want to be spreading something to our friends and neighbors that will hurt them. And if we can help and still honor God by our attendance, whether online or in here, that's what we're going to do. But we have to understand there's an entire world system that's against anything that God wants us to do. So we may receive some opposition through it. We are a church dedicated to the proposition that all men are bad, until they are made good by the blood of the Lamb. We're all on the wrong road until we get on the road that Jesus said is straight and narrow. That's where we are. That's the world that we live in. We're not going to change that. So, letter A, it's impossible because there are two kingdoms at work. And letter B, it's impossible because of the contrast between the two kingdoms. The world says everything by money. The world says everything by social prestige. The world says everything by publicity. The world says everything by committee. I want to start a committee for the destruction of committees. I think that that would be a good thing to do. Did you all see that the, that the coronavirus meeting was canceled because of the coronavirus? How many of you saw that on TV? I just thought that was kind of funny. The world says everything by education. The world says everything by compromise. It's interesting. The world says everything by business methods. And God says everything by prayer. You see two different worlds? You see? And so here's the problem. Physically, we are in the world that is opposed to God. But the Bible tells us that we are to walk through that world differently than lost people do. We are in this world but we are not of this world. And times like this it really it reveals who we are spiritually. What we're trusting in, what we truly believe, how we are going to behave in a crisis. Folks, the world ought to see a difference in us. When we talk about this, we ought to be different than people that are panicking or are struggling with it. Let her see it is impossible because of the realities of life. There's much to do and I'm weak. Man, I got to tell you, as pastor of this church, this last week, um, it's been pretty heavy because I want to protect you. I, I want to do right spiritually. I want to do right civilly, you know, how we are in the community. Um, I, I mentioned in Sunday school, I talked to uh, Chad Wilson across the street, a pastor at the Nazarene Church, and they're doing the exact same thing that we're doing. And um, we, we just want to be responsible. We are, we are, so Chad and I are spiritual representatives in our community. And so we don't want to look like we're thumbing our nose at our government leaders. The flip side is I also have spiritual responsibilities to communicate the word of God to you. We have the spiritual responsibility to maintain our society. And by society, I mean our church, because we need to know what's going on. If we have people in our church that need help, we need to help them. Uh, One of our ladies has offered to um, help some of our seniors learn how to do a click tick. Is that what it's called? Click list, tick list, click, click, tick, tock tick, tack thing. You're going to be able to order your food from Kroger. (laughs) And then we're going to have folks pick it up for you. So you folks don't have to go out as this thing hits that you're all set. We'll teach you how to order the food and have it delivered. Or if you need us to pick the food up and take it to you, we have some volunteers that are willing to do that. How many of you think that's what a church ought to do? We're going to do that. So those, when I mentioned kind of that, that heaviness on me, I want to protect you, but I want to make, make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to do as a church. I want to represent us well in the community. All of those things are coming down on me. And then I realized, do you know what? I can't fix any of this. All we can do is be as wise as is humanly possible and trust God through it, listen, with a prayer of thanksgiving. That's who we're supposed to be. There's much to do and I am weak. There's much to fear and I am weak. There's much to know and I am not wise. Someone said, there is no more complete waste of breath than those sage and reverend advices which people give us. This is from Alexander McLaren. I love this. You'll love this. This is the advice they give us. Not to do the things, nor to feel the emotions, which our position make absolutely inevitable and almost involuntary. Here, for instance, is a man surrounded by all manner of calamity and misfortune, and some well-meaning but foolish friend comes to him, and without giving him a single reason for the advice says, Cheer up! Isn't that just a dumb thing to say? I've told you this before. I've got a, a friend and, and he really meant well that when our son Riley died, this is what he said. Well, you know, these things happen. And he meant well, but can I tell you that did not help me at that moment. That's the kind of advice that, that people give. Cheer up. Well, why should he cheer up? What is there in his circumstances to induce him to fall into any other mood? Or some unquestionable peril is staring him full in the face, coming nearer and nearer to him. And some well-meaning loose-tongued friend says, don't be afraid, but he ought to be afraid. That is about all that worldly wisdom and morality have to say to us. When we are in trouble and anxiety, here's what they say. Shut your eyes very hard and make believe very much and you will not fear. But that's not our answer. That's not our answer. Our answer is we should only fear those things. Listen, we should only fear those things that God, listen, can't do. It's natural. Man, if I got something and I found out that I was going to die, there would probably be some fear. I would fear for my family and those things, but we bought life insurance. We're ready for those things. I try not to let Laura, Laura know how much it is. It's not true. You know, we, we prepare for those things, but man, if I found out I was going to die, I get to go to heaven. Why would I fear that? Are you with me? No, I got to tell you, I would fear pain. I would fear that, but I would try to give that fear to the Lord. Financial collapse, is there some fear in that? Yes. Is that a reasonable fear right now? No. No. So, what's the solution to an impossible command? Look at what it says in verse 6. Be careful for nothing. What's that next word? But. See, we must leave the kingdom of man and enter into the kingdom of God. So hold your place here. Look at Romans chapter 14 and verse 17. So we've got to leave the kingdom of man. Okay, Romans fourteen seventeen. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. We can be concerned about things. Our security team, you know what they were laughing about back there? They're going to check all of you to make sure you haven't stolen any toilet paper <laughs> as you leave. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> They're really not going to do that. Take as much as you want. Um... <laughs> For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Bible, We're not going to worry about that. Can I tell you something? There's plenty of food in the United States. We're not going to starve. All right? That's, that's not reasonable. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness. What's that next word? Not the end, the next word. Peace. And what's that? Joy in the Holy Ghost. So what we have to do is we have to leave the kingdom of this world, which is completely... Against God, that doesn't mean that we take off somewhere. We're not a cult, you know. We don't have Kool-Aid waiting for you downstairs. What we're saying is that in my mind and in my spirit, I have to realize that I am really not of this world and that the kingdom that God has offered me is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Go back to the book of Philippians chapter 4. See, there are choices given to us in our text. Look at it again. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So there are some choices given to us in our text. Care or prayer. Care or supplications. Care or thanksgiving. Care or request. The Bible says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. That's 1 Peter 5, 7. See, and this is something that's really important for us. When I was saying that we have to leave this world, here's, this is the formula that I think will help you. Your heart is never empty. It is either full of God or full of the world and worldly care. Your heart is never empty. It is either full of the world I'm sorry, it's either full of God or it's full of the world and worldly care. You can't be trusting God and worried about your circumstances at the same time. Now, let me just tell you something. Remember what I said? This seems impossible. This is not easy. This is a spiritual discipline. The reason, this is why we do discipleship, to help people learn biblically. This is the reason why we have multiple preaching services. Why do you, like, like on Sunday, why do we have three meetings? Because we're trying to fill our minds with God rather than fill our minds with the world. That's why we do this. That's why we ask for faithfulness. And that's why I hope that you will continue to come. Like I said tonight, vital, vital, really important. This is the reason why we do so many different ministries. So let's look lastly, and this, this is, I'm basically done. Who is the person who fulfills this impossible command. Remember, what's the impossible command? Be careful for nothing. Who is the person who fulfills this? Well, first, it's the believer who has learned to run to the Savior. You know, your children express this kind of faith. You know, they fall down and they run. Who do they run to? Mom. Why? Because they have a skinned knee and dad's going to hurt them. Man, not in my house. My mom, take that rag out, scrub that thing out. Stop crying. But, you know, your children get hurt, they run to you. When they're scared, they run to you. One of my favorite stories is the little kid that uh, thought there was a monster under her bed. So she went to her dad and said, Dad, there's a monster under my bed. So he came back in, showed her, and there's nothing under the bed. Don't worry, there's no monster. She came back out again. Dad, there's a monster under my bed. Came back and looked under there. No, honey, there's not. She started to come out again. There's no monster in there. But I promise you, Jesus is with you. He closed the door and he heard her pray, Jesus, if you're in here, please don't move. If you do, you'll scare me to death. (laughs) And honestly, in our lives, we feel the same way. If God actually did move for us, it would scare us to death. Folks, we have to move our faith from ourselves and our government to our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's run to him. So, first, the believer who has learned to run to the Savior. Then, secondly, the believer who has learned to recognize the fallenness of this world. Why, why do diseases like this happen? Because we live in a fallen world. All of us are going to die eventually. Why do we die? Because of sin. For as by one man, death entered in the world, and death by, sin entered the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. It's a one to one proposition. We need to recognize that we do live in a fallen world. Next, the believer who has learned this truth. God has no concern with supply. Look, we're in Ephesians 4, I'm sorry, Philippians 4, and look at verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But look at the context of that. This is interesting. Look at verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, notwithstanding ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, so when he began preaching this gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. So these other churches weren't helping Paul financially. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. They they sent him money. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Now we know what this means. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Notice what he said. I didn't ask you for anything, but you knew that I had a need, and you sent to me in my need. And he said, God shall supply all your... He didn't say God will supply all my need by you. That's not what he said. He said, as you are loving the ministry, the work of God, God will continue to supply your need. Now, did I make it up or is that just in the immediate context of be careful for nothing? It's right there. So here's the danger. This is a danger. It's human nature. Trouble comes... And we stop any outward looking and we start looking inward. I'm going to protect me and mine. We need to be aware of the people around us in our church. If there is a need that someone has, we need to be ready and willing to help them. If we will do that, do you know what God says? He'll supply our need. Now, should all of us be responsible to take care of ourselves? Men, If anybody knows anything about Grace Baptist Church, we absolutely believe that the Bible says if a man would not work, neither should he eat. In a time of emergency, people might not be able to work, and it's our responsibility to be there to help. Amen? And part of that is we keep funding the ministry, the work of the Lord. One of the things that we're doing to help that in this time is we're going to do an online giving portal on the website. So let's say that we have to stay home. Well, how many of you think that the bank is going to say, well, don't worry about your mortgage. The coronavirus is here. No. So we have online giving. There'll be a, there's a fee. It's like 3% if you do that. And there's even a button that you can push that says, I'll cover the fee. So what that would be if you were going to give 100 bucks? well, then you click that and you give $103. It's, it's, it's very simple. We're doing those things. But here's the thing that we need to remember. We, let me just put it this way. Where we live, when we live, the state of the economy, the state of medicine, the the form of government that we serve under none of it matters. Our mission remains the same. Preach the gospel. Baptize believers. Train them in the word. Love the Lord our God with all our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love our neighbor as ourselves. None of that changes. Pandemic doesn't change that. Government doesn't change that. Era doesn't change that. doesn't matter if we're in the first century or the 21st century. It doesn't matter. Our job doesn't change. Technology has nothing to do with our call. Technology has nothing to do with our mission. None of those things, they're going to be useful. I hope we get to be able to live stream and have giving online and, and reach out to people and help and use quick tick or tick pick or whatever. I love it that we can use technology and those things that way, but none of that changes our mission. And isn't it an interesting that be careful for nothing. Paul wrote that under Nero. When Nero is using Christian's crucifying them, setting them on fire to light his garden. I don't even think Nancy Pelosi would do that. She couldn't get it up there anyway. The person who fulfills the impossible command, the believer who has learned to run to the Savior... The believer who has learned to recognize the fallenness of the world, the believer who has learned this truth, God has no concern with supply. The believer who has learned that that, that only one knows the future. So this is my last point. I'm done so you can wake up. Only one knows the future, and that one knows my name. Be careful for nothing. Look at what it says. 4 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. So let's all stand together. Why did I preach this message? Because things might get worse. I'm not concerned with you. I think that you folks will do great through this. Why did, I, why did I deliver this message? To help you to know how to talk to the people around you. You see, he knows my name. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if I die today, that I'm going to heaven. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. How many of you believe that? So we have hope. Have you ever been to a funeral of a person who did not have hope? Folks, that should not be us. We should grieve not as those which have no hope, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words, verse 18 says. Why did I bring this message? To make sure that we are thinking right, but more than that, that we know how to communicate with people. Because, what better time to lead people to the Lord than when they are concerned about eternity? How many of you are confident? You know for sure that heaven's your home. Raise your hand. You know. Man, we need to give other people that confidence through the Lord Jesus Christ. What a gift that is to us in troublous times. So, if you're here today and you could not raise your hand, you're not sure whether or not you would go to heaven if you died, here's all it takes you believe that Jesus Christ is God, that he was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life, never sinned, and that he died on the cross, not for his own sins, but for your sin, your sin individually, my sin individually. Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for that. And then he was buried, and then three days later he rose from the dead, proving that he was, is, and always will be God. If you will believe that, recognizing that without that, you deserve hell, you deserve to be separated from God forever in a fiery burning place of torment because you're a sinner. If you'll recognize that, if you'll believe that, and if you'll ask Jesus Christ to save you, to forgive you for being not for not only sinning, but for being a sinner, if you will ask him to save you, he will. That's it. You don't have to give any money to the church. You don't have to come back to church. You don't have to do anything. You simply Believe that Jesus Christ is God and that he paid for your sin on the cross and you ask him to save you. He will. Now, if you do that, then you will want to be with God's people. You will want to be at church. You'll want to follow the Lord and believers' baptism. All those growth things that come from it, God does want us to do those things. Would you all agree with that? None of that has anything to do with whether or not you get to go to heaven. The only thing that gets you into heaven is Jesus? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Do you believe that? You see, salvation is an exchange. It's where I take my sin and I give it to Jesus. And Jesus takes my sin and gives me his righteousness. Jesus died on the cross to pay for the sins of the whole world but that has to be applied to your account. And it's a transaction that takes place. That transaction takes place at a point in time. I was lost and now I'm saved. It's not a process. It's a transaction. Lord Jesus, please forgive me. I'm a sinner. Save me. Do you know what Jesus does? He saves you. I hope that you've come to that point in time. Just knowing that he died on the cross and that he's God. Knowing that doesn't change anything. Believing it and asking him to save you is what changes it. That's what it's about. Confession, speaking the word. You don't come and confess your sin to me. You go to the Lord Jesus Christ and he'll save you. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Lord, I pray that we have found some comfort in the scriptures today. And that comfort might not be for us because we've already accepted it. But I pray that that comfort is somehow delivered outside of these walls to people who need to hear it.